name is Laura. I'm 19 years old. Came to Ireland when I was like four years old. Obviously, I would have been on direct provision with my family, and yeah, we were in the system for 10 years. And like that's I'm doing the math, and that's like six, 16, 17 years to get a passport. Yeah. Hello, it's Louisa May. Thank you everyone for joining us to listen to Wara's story. This is an interview I carried out a couple of months back with a girl that grew up in direct provision. From the age of four till 16, she lived in a direct provision centre in Ireland. I ask you to take time out to listen to this story. It's important. Gives you great insight to what the kids that are currently in direct provision may be feeling. Today, we also launched um, our Christmas plan with drops being cancelled and the new lockdown, all of our plans had to be changed. So we've launched a Patreon. Um, this is a great way for me to connect with you guys, but also it's a great way for us to get continuous funding to keep Let's Help going. Up until Christmas, every donation is going towards Christmas presents for those in direct provision. General. Thank you for joining us today. And here's um, Wara's story. My name is Wara. I'm 19 years old. And I go to college in UCD. Um, I was born in Nigeria and came to Ireland when I was like three, four years old. And like, obviously, I wasn't born here. So I was like put into the system of direct provision with my family. And yeah, we were in the system for 10 years and a bit. And we're out now. But like, with all the stuff that's going on, obviously, it's a lot. You get me? So. Yeah, it's mad because I wasn't sure what age you went into uh, direct provision at. Yeah. Um, so you were in direct provision from the age of four until you were 15, 14. Yeah. So what is like the first thing you remember about going into direct provision? Like, did you remember when you were four or? Not really. Like, I feel like my memories only like. For, for me, like, I feel like I actually forced myself not to remember a lot of it. Like, like you know when you have, like, them little, like, flash kind of... Is it... What do you call them? Like, just flash kind of... Flashbacks. Flashbacks. <laughs> flashbacks. And, like, I'd have flashbacks when I was five, when I was six, but, like, what I remember very vividly was, like, between the age of, like, nine to, like, 14. Like, when I was going into, like, secondary school, primary school, all of that because I feel like that's where it kind of just like sunk in and like obviously I'm growing up and everything like that and I'm just like trying to understand what my life is you get me so it was very difficult at that age yeah that's what I was thinking because if I try to remember back when I was four not really something about primary school yeah. you know did I start that then or like I think I can kind of remember primary school like my first day at school I think I can remember that or is it just I remember the photo that I've seen of it it's just like it's just them little stuff that you just be like maybe oh no like that kind of thing just little kind of memories that kind of struck and then stuff that you just like kind of so do you remember living in Nigeria at all no, not at all, like, literally. Like, I only, like, my mum would tell me stories about, like, growing up there, but, like, I just, like, I feel like my life proper started when I came to Ireland because, obviously, you're, like, vital parts of life, like, going to school, going to, uh, going to school, going to um, college, everything like that. Can you hear the dog? Yeah, the dog, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. it's grand. <laughs> Then you, so basically like the first, I think that's what I find so interesting about you is like basically the first part of your life you remember is being in direct provision. So like your upbringing was basically in direct provision. Yeah. Um, and what do you remember about it then? Like in the early days, what would be like your, like come to mind when you think about when you're living there as a kid? Um, for me, it was mostly like, just like where you lived, there was like gates. So like there was like security guards gates and like you kind of just like even just the houses like in general like because I know like when I like used to go to my friend's house like I stopped going to my friend's house because like it was kind of just like reminded me of the stuff that I didn't have do you get me mm -hmm. because like at that point in my life I lived in like I lived in a hotel with my whole family okay. I lived in a caravan 
and like it was just kind of like difficult to like go to other people's house seeing how well like not well off but like just seeing like oh so that's like i meant to be living in houses as well or do we yeah. not all live in caravans that kind of thing was it where um, you started to realize just as you got a bit older what you didn't have rather than like knowing what you should have had or um i'd say it was around the age of like 10 or 9 because yeah. like that was when like you'd be getting invited to little parties and like i was like making friends with like people in my school and everything like that so like it was then like i was like kind of like getting like okay i'm trying to be like one of the irish kids so i was trying to like talk in the accent like make friends and everything like that but then i was just like i'm like we're we're from two different worlds do you get me so and i don't think like explain it to you like did you talk to your parents about it at all or no i feel like my like i feel like my i, I feel like personally i could see that my mom was going through a lot so I, I just didn't even know what to like ask her because like all I know is like my mum came to this country for a better life for me and my sister. So yeah. like I wouldn't like question, I wouldn't get angry at her like, oh my God, why did you do this? Why did you bring me here to suffer again? I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like think of that like that. I was more like, okay, my mum did this for me. I have to make the best out of my opportunities. And like, if anything bad happens, just suck it in, smile, whatever. And what you're saying there makes me think of, um, so there's, I did this talk last week for Borbia about uh, direct provision and we talked about racism in direct provision. And there is a report that came out last weekend by uh, the child ombudsman saying, or the ombudsman for children. <laughs> oh, did you see that? Yeah. And it was talking about racism in, in for children in direct provision, but it was also mentioning how, how the, 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 a was saying that there's a lot of racism for children in direct provision, but mm -hmm. it was also saying it said a, a line that like because they're placed in like uh, vulnerable, like impoverished circumstances, it leads them to want to self isolate from or want yeah. to isolate from from uh, other like as you were saying, like from Irish children or children that weren't in direct provision. They, they seemed they're like we felt like they didn't in the end want to hang out with those children because of. Mm -hmm. Is that how you felt as well? Like, I, like, even now, like, the majority of my friends and my sister's friends, like, they're people who we met in direct provision because I feel like, personally, it's just, like, or, like, I try, like, I can't, like, explain it to other people and other people just won't understand. Like, all they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, but with my friends who were in direct provision with me, they, like, understand and we support each other. I feel like... Yeah. There is just a barrier between, like, I, like it's just so weird because like I don't even understand what it is like you know like the gates that I said like I feel like there's just a gate between my like my type of like the way that I grew up and the way that other people like my friends like that weren't in direct provision group and it's just like it does create a barrier in the friendship yeah actually like I don't I can't fully understand you know yeah like what you're what the barriers for you but I do I had an injury myself and I, I went through like recovery for like three four years from it and like I, when i came at the end better like it was so hard oh, are you frozen um but yeah i was saying so i went through an injury myself and i went through like four years of recovery or whatever but when i came at the other end of it cause it was so tough to go through and all that i did feel like i i felt like i couldn't relate to my friends any yeah. <laughs> you know they'd be telling stories of different things and i'd be like that just is like not where I'm at right now or like what's important to me you know I have like the thing like for me it was more irritating because my friends would like complain about like little stuff not getting enough pocket money not like oh my mom only gives me five year and I was just like I don't really get pocket money like that yeah. but, like it was just stuff that I would be grateful for so like it was just like oh I can't like I can't be around that kind of energy so like I had to just like get closer to the people who were in the same situation as me to get me. Everybody does deserve to complain about your problems, but like sometimes some people are complaining about like the bare minimum or just like... Yeah, you're like, it just like some people would kill to have your problems. Yeah, what you're going through, exactly. Yeah, or like, I know, it's it's a hard one because, you know, brains are yeah. brains and you feel, if you feel sad, you feel sad. Exactly, but, exactly, that's true, that's true. It's a, it's a, it's a topic.
Yeah. So what did you think when you saw the when you saw the article by the ombudsman? I like I just I like I actually cried because like you don't like you don't like it's just that fact that you kinda just still see children are being damaged by the system and like like nobody is doing anything. Like no people are doing stuff about it but like some people just don't care, but these are children who have so much potential, and like they just like it's just the fact that children are feeling like this. Like I don't, I, I, I feel like children don't deserve to like feel so isolated from the world that they're trying to like have a career or like just have a better life in. Because like when you grow up, it does affect you so bad, and like it's just it's just really terrible. Yeah, I think yeah, because I'm seeing like the. What is it? There was people saying to them that like Irish people pay for everything for you, you know. And they did you read about? There's like a Snapchat group that got created for like yeah for the people in direct provision in their school, and they just sent abuse to the people in the Snapchat group. And yeah, it's just like it's even like even when I was in like primary school, like people like I like I didn't even know how they knew like. They didn't really know what their provision was, but like they just thought like, oh, I was like, I'm a foreigner, I was in this country illegally. So like they'd always like threaten to like call the police and say, oh, I'm gonna get you deported. And like you'd be shocked because like these are children and like they are like bullying other children who are in like really terrible situations already and they don't understand that, but like they still understand enough to like threaten them. Like it just for me, it doesn't make sense. Like, and like, where do they even get you know those that words? Yeah. Like, cause when you're a child, like up to a certain point, you're kind of just repeating what you hear. Like, you don't actually yeah, know what exactly. You, you know, like, as, you don't even know what certain words mean, or do you, like, so where is it that like for even some of the stuff that I read in the report, like um calling um they're calling some of the muslim children terrorists and stuff and you're like that's just coming from the media like it definitely is that like it's like i feel like children like some of the children are exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to and like they're just like they're repeating what they hear they're repeating what like they're doing what they see and like it is it's just not nice especially for other children in direct provision because these are the children that you're trying to integrate with and these are children you kind of envy not gonna lie because you're just like wow you got you get to like have an irish passport you get to travel you get to do all of that but like for me like because you were born in this country but for me i have to like work and suffer and like just go through this entire system just to get the same kind of and it's things yeah that you wouldn't even think to be grateful for like i guess i've never had to think like oh thank god i have an irish passport like you know i just got given it yeah, had exactly. it my whole life. <laughs> i've never had to worry about that exactly <laughs> like some people even though they do have their papers they still like struggle to get their irish passport and like apply for an irish passport mm-hmm. like, it's just very it's very stressful to be honest um and so that's what i thought it would be interesting to talk to you um a because i find it so hard to get a full picture on direct provision because it's mm. just you know because obviously the different ho- each hostel or hotel mm-hmm. or center is owned by someone different and mm. you know it's not the rules are what not one size fits all so i i assume there are some people coming into direct provision and and leaving after six months like i've never i haven't met anyone yet but that just went through six months of being in direct provision but um and you ended up going through the 10 years and growing up through it and we, we've seen like Toomey's story on on my page where we're talking to Toomey and she's in direct vision right now mm-hmm. um, going through it with her two children. So she has a 10 year old boy and ooh, I actually, uh, I think he's about a younger boy, maybe seven. I don't think she actually told me his age, but um, what would like, what is it like for you to like, yeah, because I think she was just touching on it then for you to view um, these kind of kids that you know that are going through it and like what would what advice or what would you even say to them I don't know like or oh like for me like my little sister she's like she like she we like obviously we grew up with direct provision so like when we left she still had like really close friends like nurses in direct provision and she always like tries to go to the centers to visit them and like like a lot of them even just message me and just message her saying like I wish like one day I'm like you and I get my papers and everything like that mm-hmm. and it's just that kind of sense just stay strong and like I really do like I just look up and, and like not envy but like I look up 
and like see like people like to me speaking up because like when you are like in direct provision you're scared and like I feel like it's more like know your right to know like you like you are worth more than like the way that other people treat you that kind of thing because like not gonna lie sometimes people do act like you're like a second class citizen like and you're not meant to be here so like just know you have like as much right to be in this country as like anybody else yeah cause it's actually funny you say that because this the next few uh part of Timmy's story i put up talks about like her her speaking out in the center and like the kind of what happens to her for doing that the, the people in the center are made turn against her like mm. the management give out to her call her names and and say to her like who do you think you are to yeah. you know it was she was just it, the, the place wasn't habitable for people and she's like who do you think you are trying to ruin someone's business and um and like at the same time i feel like other people in the centers would be angry at her because like they would feel like because she lives in the same centers then they're gonna start mistreating them and they're gonna start like yeah well that's the, the owner then went to everyone else who lived in the center and were like you're not to talk to her anymore or else kind of thing and uh, so she was completely isolated from everybody um, and and uh, look now she's in a different center um, but you can see why you would be scared because A, definitely, you're at the mercy like, I, wouldn't be speaking, I, I definitely wouldn't be speaking up about it if I was still in it because I would think it would affect my status in this country as well like mm. I would be like oh my god if I speak about it my mom would probably not even let me speak about it if I was yeah, exactly yeah that you can think cause you put yourself in in someone's shoes and you're like well like even in just in a job you're like oh you maybe want to speak up about a manager but you're like oh if i speak up about yeah. a manager, they're like, like whistleblowing basically yeah whistleblowing yeah like and they control like i think she was saying she felt unsafe like the people she's complaining about are the people who cook her food you know exactly. for, and she's like what if they put something in my food what if do you know and like you know when you've come from something uh traumatic like for her it's right now stuff there so I actually have it all here um but so tell me a bit about then school. What was tell me about school life for you while you were where um, vision? School life was like for me I kinda just separated like my two kind of lifestyles. Like so like at like in direct provision I was like with the direct provision kids, but like in school I tried to like not gonna like just separate myself from that kind of thing and like make friends with people like outside just so that like I felt like a sense of belonging in the sense of like I don't know how to, like I don't know how to make it sound like not bad but like I just wanted to like feel normal if you get me and I felt like okay if I hung out with the direct provision kids people will label me like because we all got like when you're like when you're in direct provision they do provide you a bus to go to school so like everybody would see you come out of a bus filled with like foreign kids and they would label you as foreigners and like they just like people would just pass really dirty comments and like personally I just I just didn't like one plus like, I just didn't like when people like made like assumptions about me without actually knowing me so like I kind of just separated myself from them when I was in school but then like some like my friends like some of my friends turned against me and like they just started passing really like rude comments about other people in their position so like I just had to be like you guys aren't the friends that I want so like I just started hanging out with the direct provision kids again but like it's just that kind of thing where like school is difficult for everybody but I feel like when you're in direct provision it's so hard because like teachers I feel like teachers as well they don't understand what you're going through so like I feel like not gonna lie I needed extra help with homework not because like I was stupid or anything like that it's just because like when I go home I don't have the facilities to like mm. study or like my mum like my mum isn't the greatest with English and stuff like that so she can't really help me with my homework like other kids so like I was trying to do everything myself without like the support that other people were getting so it was just yeah. hard. Yeah, I can't even imagine, like, today with people, need, like, everyone kind of needing access to, like, online um, mm. facilities as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't, like, God knows, I, did, I, did, I don't think we had Wi-Fi or, like, um, I think my mum bought Wi-Fi at a point, but, like, we didn't have, like, laptops or, like, 
proper phone to actually access like online kind of stuff like that so it was just like I don't think I'd be able to even do well in school if this was going on like yeah that's interesting what you said to me about the wi-fi was approached by a center saying uh they needed credit for their phone so that they could have wi-fi and I was like like how much you know, would it be for them to even just source what you know that we like? Yeah, that's what like I was like I was trying to think like when I was talking to my sister, I was just like, wait, did they have free Wi-Fi there or did we buy our own Wi-Fi? My mum was just like, no, she bought the Wi-Fi. Like, mm-hmm. We don't have free Wi-Fi at all. Yeah, it's um, I know, and it it just makes people feel so unconnected, and especially mm-hmm. if you're like, trying to get a job or um, yeah, if you're in school and you're trying to study and everybody else has access to the yeah. internet. And I think it's like your mom can't go and work to like buy you a laptop or buy you Wi-Fi. So you're kind of stuck without having the ability to get money. I actually remember there was one place that actually had free Wi-Fi in the centre. So like us kids would just go there and just like chill. But like the Wi-Fi was on from like Mm. 9 o'clock in the morning to like 7 in the evening. So like when we come back from school, we'll go there so that we can have a little bit of a social life and like just text and group chats or whatever, whatever, and just, like, message friends. But, like, after, like, 7 o'clock, no Wi-Fi, just go back home kind of thing. So it was, oh, like, yeah. I looked back at it. It was cool, and you're, like, so you basically had three hours of the day that you could go and get Wi-Fi. Yeah, so, like, it's just, <laughs> um, I look back at it and laugh, but, like, it's just, like, it's just the image of all of us just lining up on the wall trying to connect to the Wi-Fi. It's just, like... What it was like from your mom watching you as well go through um go through it all you know like knowing that she couldn't give you like what she would have wanted to give you um and what was your life like in nigeria do you want to talk about that at all or or why you came um like i don't really like the thing is like for me i don't really ask my mom too much questions because i know it's kind of like a sensitive topic for her because like so much has happened and like she even just like lost her mom recently so like we were like Technically, we are, like, the only, me and my sisters are, like, the only family she has. So, like, for me, I haven't really opened, like, I only started, like, just because recently I started talking more about, like, the whole living in direct provision. My mom has, like, slowly been opening up to me about, like, her reasons to coming into the country. Because I feel like for everybody, it's a different story. And it's, like, a touchy subject, to be honest. But, like, I don't know the full story yet. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, and for, so then when, so it took 10 years for you to get out of direct provision and you were eventually mm-hmm. given your papers, which makes me so angry because it means that you were, te- you had the right grit to asylum here. So like, yeah. it took, like, do you know even why it took them 10 years or? No, like, and it was so funny because my mom, like my little sister, like I had two sisters who were born in this country, but like they were like, it was so sad because my little sister was so scared, like, because we've seen people deported, so like she was just scared that she was gonna get deported, even though she was born in this country. And like it's just like I, you never, you never really know, like you never really know. And um, what was it like then when you came out of direct provision? Like, because I suppose then you were 15, 14, 15, So yeah, I was, was like going into my junior. Hmm? Um, it was no, I was just going into like the no junior set. I was finishing my junior set. For me, it was kind of like, it was, I was so happy. Yeah. But then at the same time, I was so scared because I was just like, I'm going into like the real, not the real world, but like after like living in this like from tra- like just living in such a traumatic kind of scenery and just going out into the new world, I was just like, what's going to happen? Like, just how would people like be with because like, are we still going to be seen as foreigners or are we going to be accepted? And like, it was just hard, like even looking for houses and like my mom looking for a job because like she didn't have like experience because like, not, not just, she did have experience, but like just relevant experience in like the country. So like she was looking for a job, trying to find a house. It was hard, but we got through it. And like, we just, I feel like because me and my sisters were older, we just supported each other. Mm. And, um, yeah we got through it and like my sister was literally going into college as well so like oh, wow. 
just like it was a lot but like yeah it was yeah because i remember you were saying like how like places were asking for work experience but like how can you have work experience when you haven't had work for 10 years exactly (laughs) so like my mom really struggled so that's why i feel like me and my sisters do try really hard because like we do want to like help her out just a little bit more because like even though like we have like come up it's still kind of hard because there's so much things you have to keep on top of like bills and everything like that and you're in college as well you said yeah i'm in college as well but like for me i kind of like with me and my sisters we got like grants and i got a scholarship to go into college because like i just knew like my mom just like at like when i was even doing my genius i was just like i have to work hard because like I was finding out about scholarships, like when I was younger, I was just trying trying to find out about scholarships and all of that because I wanted to go to college. So like, I was just like, if my mom can't afford to, like, to take me to college, I need to do my best to like, get my education, do better. And just like, show that I actually like, I'm trying to help out in this country. That's why I even chose nursing because like, I do want to help people. So like, yeah. Yeah, you kind of, um... But it's like that's amazing to hear that you've like done such good work and got the scholarships. But yeah. it's also just, you know, it's funny like how um, it would have just been such a different life for people in Ireland. You know, like other people in Ireland who are just like um, not even worried about affording college. You know, they're more mm-hmm. like, oh, exactly. I want to go traveling for a year or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole traveling thing like we're yet to have like a proper family holiday so that's something that we're like trying to like do up but like obviously corona kind of ruined it but like no it's just just them little like i feel like we're like just having them little exciting moments that people have already had like you know them childhood holidays to disneyland and everything like that i know i i just like i just really want to go with my family and just like experience that yeah i know it's 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 funny what one can take for granted because you couldn't even, I suppose, while you're in deprivation, you couldn't leave the country, even if you had the money to go on a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you did get in, like, when you did get into, when you did get accepted into art, like, um, or you get your papers, um, did it take long after that to get everything set up? Did it take, you know, a couple <laughs> of months? Oh my God, that's a, such a funny question. Like, it's not like, I feel like people think, oh, as soon as you get your papers, you get like your red passport. It's not like that at all. I think after you get your papers, you have to like stay in the country for like a few years before you actually apply for your red passport. And then they laughed at me. You're like, you know, so. No, one of my friends was just like, okay, so like you obviously as soon as like you got your papers, you got your red passport like that. Like they just handed it to you, but like you kind of still have to stay in the country for a few years before you can apply for your red passport. Like some of my friends, even though they've been out of direct provision for a while, they still don't have a red passport. So like, even when we do want to go on holidays, they some of them have to get visas and everything like that still. So it's just, yeah, there's a lot That's, of- like, When did you get your passport then? Probably only recently. Um, it's actually so, like, it's actually really recent. Like my little sister just received her passport the, a few days before her birthday, which was like, the 14th of July this month so we had like a little family party yeah it's it's not I know I know like so you're like that is like that's what I'm doing the math and that's like six, 16 17 years to get up at the passport yeah yeah I don't know some people are still waiting for days like it's a long process like like it's just what gets me is like I'm just like Ireland is so small like yeah. we do Why not do you know like maybe in like bigger countries there's yeah. more infrastructure change i don't really know but i'm just like ireland is literally a three-hour drive across like yeah. how we can then say oh well you know like we were busy so it took 17 years to get yeah. this girl a passport like I, I would have actually i would have rather you know like in certain countries they have like that test that you have to do to get the passport i would have rather studied for a test than like waited so many years to like get one because oh gosh it's not easy it's not easy at all but even like it's like, just, between just like it's not okay anyways like and yeah whether other countries or whatever their system was i decided i was like you know i don't care because other people are like oh well the system in other countries is this and that and i'm like i actually don't care about what their yeah. system is i was like we are literally the world like we are so small as a country we can make change like i because I, I was thinking 
think when I started this thing, there's about 6,000, 7,000 people in direct vision. And um, I was like, that's barely, you know, such a small number of people. Yeah. And I was like, I could totally get products to 7,000 people. Yeah. I was like, that is an achievable amount of people to be able to help. I was like, it's mm-hmm. like, why can't, like, can't we look at that in, in just like maybe that, you know, Ireland is a small country. We can definitely we can speed up the system. Exactly. Yeah, like when you got your, when you got, but so with the passport thing, so is it just they want you to be in the country long enough so that you actually do stay? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they do. Um, but like, it's just, it just doesn't make sense because like, my sister, like, she wants, like, she went on Erasmus still, yeah. yeah. But like, it's just like, it's just that bit harder for her because she has to get a visa. And like, her Erasmus was a year, so like, she can only apply for a visa for six months. And then she had to like, do another six months on top of that. So it's just, it's just like, even though like, you're free, you're not really free. No. Yeah, and it's like, you'd already spent 10 years in direct provision. Like, yeah. like that's, you've done your time for sure yeah. on, for the past, because I'm sure that someone else who spends six months or a year in direct provision, I'd love to see what percentage of people actually get through the system that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure they maybe have to wait for a while to get the passport, but not hopefully 17 years. Yeah, I, I don't, I actually don't know. I feel like, I think no. I think it is like five years that you have to wait till you get your passport, or you can once apply you for accepted it, or once yeah. you get your papers. So, what do you? What are like? Um, what do you think the government should do? I know they're saying they're going to end direct provision, but that's just like you know a paintbrush statement. Like, what does? What do you think we like, should do to fix first, or 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 do in general? Um, I just feel like for me, like for me, what's most important is like the like just just to children but like at the same time it's just like I don't feel like there's like a way to end it because when they say end it I'm just like so what are you going to do for like people who come to the country like what's going to happen to them to get me yeah that's the question I have as well I'm like am I what is ending it meaning less people can come in like that's the thing so like I'm just like I feel like they could like the system is like it's like there's like I feel like it's so bad that they could fix it in a way that isn't like as damaging or like if they say okay you have to be in that provision for six months make it six months don't be like okay six months then another six months then another six months oh no five years now and like it's just yeah because kind of like, yeah, I can imagine it's so bad for someone's mental they're like just another six months and they're not up like I think changing the right to work as well like they obviously have the right to work now yeah. but making it more accessible I don't think many people do you, do you still talk like do you still talk, go to direct provision centers and talk with people in within them? Um, I have friends who are still in direct provision but like I don't think they work like that because it's so like it's just so hard to get a job when you have that like refugee status at the same time. Mm. So because like I feel like when like even like when I used to apply for jobs when I didn't have my passport, they'd ask you for like a GNIB card, they'd ask you for so much stuff and it's so overwhelming, do you get me? So like and a lot of people. You get a do. bank account and stuff, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Um like yeah, so I needed a my passport to send to a bank account, but maybe there's another way to do it. Um yeah. without one. But um with yeah, because that's why I've talked to a few people about the right to work and they don't, like, it's it's just for people who are qualified in the care industry yeah. or something, and then if you're not qualified in that, then obviously you can't work in that industry. Yeah, but then also some of the centres are in the middle of nowhere and not near any jobs, so mm-hmm. how can you get yeah, a job? Yeah. You, no. And, like, I feel like at the same time, like, they need to, like, make people know their rights as, like, a person in direct provision because, not to like, I didn't even know we had rights or, like, yeah. just had, like, someone actually looking over us or like actually caring for our needs I just thought like we just have to go through this this everybody knows what we're going through and they want us to go through this to like prove yeah so yeah, I you like kind we, of didn't even know what you could ask for in our, yeah, I think exactly. that's to me she was a she was a she worked in a bank in South Africa but she was also a political activist so she's used to fighting for for her rights <laughs> or for other people's rights uh, so you know that's a good skill to have yeah, when exactly. <laughs> Um, but not everybody else is like as aware. Oh, if you're in a big country, like how would you know what you're supposed? Because to I feel like even like when someone says no to you, like even if you're asking for extra food and someone asks, 
tells you no, you're just like, oh, like, I have to, like, accept yeah. them saying no to me because I'm, like, lower than them or whatever. So, like, you just, I wish, like, more people knew, like, their rights. And, like, just for, especially, like, I want, like, you know, like, children going into college, I want them to have the same, like, access to, like, grants because apparently you can't apply for a Susie grant if you're in direct provision because mm-hmm. you don't really fall under any of the... Oh, you have yeah, to go so to provision to apply for it. Yeah, so like there is trouble for people who are looking to go to third level education. Yeah, they haven't received. I think what one girl just had to wait, and so she's waiting year after year after year after year to go to college. Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking because you see people your own age just going, like just going to college, everything like that, and you're capable of it, but yeah. like you're just not allowed to have the same opportunities. And I think that's really bad because like. So many people in direct provision have so much talent and have so much like mm. things to give to the country, and like people are just like saying no, don't like. Well, they're already qualified in certain areas. Exactly. So Probably. like, it's just I feel like people just have that kind of stigma or just that dirty kind of opinions of people in direct provision, and they just look at them as like poor people, and just just have. Dirty. I, can't, I can't imagine having let's say gone to college for four years which I did do and then something happens in my country and I have to leave and then all of a sudden everybody I meet from the country I've had to go to looks at me and thinks I don't have a degree. Do you know what I mean? Like you're looked at as like stupid or like... You're not allowed to use a degree. You're like, I just went to like a really good university. I can do all sorts of lab tests for you. And they're like, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You're actually not allowed, you know, work in this area. But you're like, well, I... And like yeah. I know, like it is like a thing when you go to different countries. I had a friend different qualifications, but like even if you have to, like even if you can still work in the same industry, but like at a lower title and work your way up, I feel like people would be happy to do that. But like you're just not given the same opportunities, or you're not recognised the same way other people are. Yeah, it just seems like it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. Because she's in a country small as Ireland, I'm like, we can mm-hmm. totally just change, like fix this situation soon we're not fix it but you know start fixing it um there was a question that came in for you that was um asking about any like positive experiences in direct provision or would you like how would you respond to that question like would you to be like let me take what (laughs) for me like i actually like i feel like the, the positive experience for me or what i can call this positive is just making like me in French through dark provision, like because like I'm telling you now, like the friends that I made have like our friends for life. Like some of them, like we still we go to the same college, and like when we're e- when we were even all applying for college, we like all like had a group chat and just talking about like what to do because like some of us like obviously like like one of my friends, her dad got deported, so like she didn't have her dad to help her like apply for college and stuff like that. So like we just kind of that's just support system is so different yeah. and like I feel like some friendships don't have that kind of like like just that joint experience and like some yeah. like the fact that I say it a lot yeah but like we look back at some stuff and we just laugh and it's just that kind of dark humor or whatever that we have together is yeah. just amazing and I'm just so grateful for the people I've met and yeah if it wasn't for that provision I wouldn't have made these friends but like at the same time. If it wasn't for direct provision, a lot of us wouldn't be like in bad situations. You get me? Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, because I I do see like at the centres, like obviously there's a lot of people living in them, and you wonder what it, like what are the dynamics like, or are yeah. people do people all get along? Is there you know different cliques within the? <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. It's like if they should actually just have a movie or something because. Some of the stuff that do go on there is it's like you can like I feel like you kinda learn to entertain yourself with like stuff like that. You just make your own fun and I I did enjoy like just like like your friends would just knock for you at your door or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's stuff goes on there that's funny, that's like you just try to lift up your own spirit to get me because Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it's a it's a that's yeah, it's an interesting one and it's so hard for to wrap my head around it that it's been going on whilst I grew up do you know like yeah. while I was growing up not knowing anything about it you were growing up and having just a completely different experience in Ireland to me and I would have been like oh there's no racism in Ireland you oh, know exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
and be like, you know, like so ignorant to to like the reality of other people's lives. Yeah, but I feel like the best thing about it is that people are like seeing what's going on and like actually trying to take action as well because like I feel like it's one thing knowing stuff stuff is going on and not doing something about it and then not knowing like not knowing is okay but like knowing and then just choosing to ignore it is just like the worst part yeah because I think the first time I kind of properly heard about it I was like it was a I had a friend who actually grew up in direct vision but never never actually told me that mm. um but he'd mentioned something about living like in a caravan out in in Meath and yeah. it in front of my mom and my I, my mom picked up on it. Like I actually didn't, do you know, I was like, I didn't know there was people living in like caravans in Meath. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I didn't even know there was people living in caravans in Ireland. Like I didn't, yeah. I was like, I've never seen that. That's just yeah. completely, I was like, that's such a, you know, how did he end up out there? Like, and like, literally, I just, you know, like, I, was like, I figured his mom, like, rented a caravan out in me like that was where what my head thought it was my mom who later on said she's like i think um your man grew up in or was in a in direct provision i was like what what's that what it, yeah. yeah i was like what do you mean and then i think i looked it up right after that and then i was like trying to get pictures and like find out more but you couldn't really even find out more online yeah. it was really hard to find out more information but i feel like we like right now we do live in like we live like I feel like we live in a society where you can find information now. I feel like before, it, like I didn't even know. Like personally, I was living in direct provision. I didn't even know what the system was called. That I was living in. I just thought, <laughs> I just like I was just like, oh, we're, I'm a foreigner. I have to live in this situation. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I just remember when growing up being like, you just had the information you had, and like exactly, exactly. So like you don't really know different. But like what I just think is really hard is like. The fact now that there's so much information going around and like I feel like if I knew when I was younger that like direct provision was only meant to last six months I would be so like angry at the world because like why did six months turn into ten years of my life do you get me yeah so, so like, when did you kind of realize that that like when did that you shouldn't have been in it for ten years or? I'm telling you just like this year like literally just this year <laughs> like because like a lot of my friends have been in there for like five years six years, eight years, nine, like we've been like we've been in it for years. So like we just thought it was normal. Like I was just like some people are lucky and they get their papers earlier. Some people just have to stay for the long run. Like I never knew there was actually like a minimum amount or maximum amount of years you have to actually spend in the system. No, yeah. Just like I'm yeah, it's just shock and you were moving around centres as well. Yeah. And it's so hard because like you finally like I remember like I found a place that I I settled well in the place and like I made so many amazing friends and then the next day you're told oh you have to pack up your stuff leave go to a new center and like just like even like till this day you just reminded me something I was meant to like look at like the class photos and like try to find one of the friends like I like I had like friends who were in dark provision and we just like like we just didn't even get to say goodbye so like it's just them ones that like I was just like I need to find their Facebook or Instagram or something and just try to be like oh hey like what I'll like, put what? that in like if any of you guys know <laughs> where I'm from, from before, <laughs> that listens just <laughs> DM DM us <laughs> oh my god like, that's, that's so bad like it's funny but like I'm like I'm heartbroken for you like and I have a friend um who's living in direct vision now and well she was become I felt like she's becoming my friend Aww. and she's out in Balseskin and then you know I'd, I'd met her in person because obviously because of COVID you can't really meet people yeah. face to face but we'd met face to face and then we were just chatting and then literally I didn't hear from her for a day and she'd been moved to Wexford with like, two kids and you're it's like, like wait it's just no warning or anything like that it's just like move she went from living in Dublin to living in Wexford. You know, like that's yeah. in my head. I was like, a like, what if she'd, you know, be, 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 been able to look for a job and been looking for jobs in Dublin or so? You know, like, what if she'd had a job in Dublin, like, and then they just like you'd just lose your job. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. you're not there anymore. It's really hard. Like, and I feel like friends. I was like, if she's probably like, a network of people now, and maybe like, yeah, yeah she doesn't know anybody again. When she's two kids, do you know, like. 
and two oh, ba- two oh. babies, like two. No, oh no, she's one baby. She's one baby, and um, oh, it's her, her friend had a had a kid that was I was always seeing as well. But and yeah, and it's just like as a, like a child, it's so hard, especially just constantly going to a new school every time, and you're just like, oh my god, will they like me here? Will I make friends here? That kind of thing. And you, it's were, just like, you wouldn't be warned about moving, and then you'd have to move school and everything. Yeah, exactly. And just, just like, class one day. Yeah, oh my god, I feel like, wait, was it, one of my friends, she was meant to go into second class, but like, wait, she was meant to go into third class, but because like, she just kept on moving around, like, she was like, missing a lot of school, so she was put in second class instead of third class, so like, people her age were like, above her and everything like that, and she was just like, she was just so angry. And like, the thing is, she blamed her mom as well, because like, she was just like, mom, why are we, why do we keep on moving kind of thing? Like, I want to stay, I want to stay. So, it's just hard. Does you just don't have fun, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, like, do they, they, because even with, with, with uh, my friend just got moved, um, she, I think she didn't even have like a day's notice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see that like, I, I think they can tell you on the same day that okay you're gonna move centers and they just give you like a few hours to pass because like not gonna like you don't have that much stuff to yeah. actually pass so they I don't think they even like give you the notice. And like did, did you get donations to your center back when you were living in it as well or did people bring No, stuff? what I remember having like there was volunteers who came. Like that's what I really want to do this when I like finish college. Like volunteers came and like they had like little summer camps, which was like the highlight of like that's where I started making friends with people in direct provision because like at the start obviously we're all shy and we didn't really know each other like that. But like when we went to the summer camps in the centre with the volunteers, like we were made to like talk to each other and like just be friends, you get me? So, like, that was a great part of it. Yeah, because there still is summer camps now, and I'd love to do yeah. something like that. Or some kind of social thing for people yeah. with provision and um, with some of the, like, funds that I raised. But it's just because of coronavirus or COVID-19. Yeah. I'm still calling it coronavirus, even though it's COVID-19. I call it um, coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with all that going on, um, I just, you can't. Because, like, the yeah. centres aren't even accepting donations anymore because of COVID-19 so um we're just gonna have to wait it out so it must be so hard for the people in there who like relied on some of like the social exactly like club like there's a there's a running club sanctuary runners now I don't know if they do like there's one in Galway and and I think Cork and Dublin and there are people who like set up this is a running club with uh, with people who aren't in direct division and people who are in direct division yeah and it's nice to have that little mix because like i feel like especially like for me with sports it kind of just like the sport is the sport like it doesn't matter where you're from who you are if you can play the sport you can play the sport like that kind of thing so like yeah. i feel like that's so important and we do need to like be like what do you think would be uh like yeah actively trying to like like yeah it's, it's socialize with people in direct provision I suppose I really I feel like it's not even like you should see as like people in that I feel like they're I like because my friends before they knew I grew up in direct provision they just saw me as Laura I don't want them to see me as a direct provision girl I just want to like I feel like they should allow that not like really allow but like they shouldn't create barriers for direct provision people to like join stuff or do stuff because like I feel like there was so much things I wanted to do but like because of like my status or like because I was in direct provision, I felt like I couldn't do it or like I just wasn't capable of doing it. So like I feel like or even there was in that report that the kids have to get their bus back to the centre at like four yeah. PM so none of them can do after school activities. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like that was that was the bane of my life because like I'd want to do basketball training but like I have to get like I have to get the bus home and if I don't get the bus home there's no way of getting back home because my mum like didn't drive or anything like that and like my basketball coach was lovely so like once a week he just dropped me back home and like dropped me to the gate of the centre and just like I'd go home like he was so lovely and I don't know if he knew what was going on he was American so like I don't know if he knew what was going on but like because I love basketball so much I was just like oh I don't have a lift back home and he always just dropped me home but like yeah that's really hard like what was his name? And um, Sherman Hall. Oh, that's nice. 
I, I like I can edit that out, but I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, you got, you got an American got basketball it. coach in my school. I was like, imagine me the same basketball coach. Yeah. <laughs> but I think all the American, all the basketball <laughs> coaches are American in our. Because yeah. they, they paid him to come over, like they recruited yeah. him. I'm like, it's just so nice because he had that American accent, that American vibe, yeah. and it's all like, oh. We all loved him, yeah. We're <laughs> obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, okay, like, I think, is there anything else you'd like to kind of comment on or say or talk about before, like, um, I just feel like people should continue to, like, just spread awareness and just like let people know what's going on because I, uh, <laughs> um, I feel like the more people know about it the more like it's going to be talked about and the more like people are going to be willing to like do stuff to help and like I feel like make donations and like just try do your bit to help because it's not easy yeah, yeah exactly like I feel like people yeah, because I feel like the government will change things and make things better, but like people are still in it right now, and like yeah, and how long is it gonna take for them to change things? Exactly? Yeah, because like that, like my friend's kid is two, and you know she could be five or six, you know, like or like that's my thing. I'm like, there's children like still growing up in it right now, going to school, worried about like not being in school, doing their leaving cert. Exactly. Um, you know, so uh, thank you so much. Oh, no problem, thank you so much as well. It was lovely. <laughs> Obviously, I would have spent on direct provision with my family, and yeah, we were in the system for 10 years. I forced myself not to remember a lot of it. Like, like, like you know, when you have, I'm doing that, that's like six, 16, 17 years to get a Thank you for listening to Wara's story. Learning about direct provision and understanding it is just the first step to helping those in the system. If you want to support us in another way, we've just set up a Patreon. This will allow us to keep doing the work that we're doing, getting hygiene products, donations, and goods to those in need in direct provision centers. Up until Christmas, every single donation we get is going towards Christmas presents for children and adults in DP. One for all vouchers, leap cards, and more. Thanks for listening, thanks for being involved, and thanks for letting us do what we do here at Let's Help. Bye.